y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week on the show, from Southern California Public Radio, host of The Big One, Jason Margolis, and NPR reporter, Vanessa Romo. All right, let's start the show. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend. Welcome, welcome to my guest, Vanessa Romo, breaking news reporter for NPR, to Jacob Margolis, my friend and science reporter for KPCC here in L.A., and a special, special guest, Ja Rule. Oh, Ja. Ja. <laughs> How are we feeling about Ja right now? I always feel love for Ja, but he's having a week. Yeah. Uh, first, this song. It is a classic that I'm really in love with. It's called Living It Up. I am talking about Ja this week, and I've talked about Ja on the show before because of the catastrophic fire festival. Mm. We know what this is at this point. This was uh, the social media influencer music festival that was supposed to bring big name artists to the Caribbean, but it was one big scam. And so these people that were promised, like, villas by the ocean showed up to, like, disaster tents. Oh, the cheese sandwiches. <laughs> yes, they had cheese sandwiches when they got there. <laughs> it wasn't even a sandwich. It's just, like, slapped on top of dry bread. Yeah. The saddest-looking yeah. picture ever. And so Ja is involved in this because he was one of the founders of the Fire Festival, along with Billy McFarlane, the scammer who was really behind it, who is now in prison. But Ja Rule was promoting it, hyping it. And these two documentaries came out in the last few weeks about the Fire Festival and how it failed. One from Netflix, one from Hulu. And they both paint a picture of a Ja Rule who knew exactly what was going on and didn't stop it. And at the end of it, he when he says, it's not fraud, we just... <laughs> false advertising. Yeah, yeah. He said, oh, it's not fraud, it's just false advertising. And then he was like, it's okay, we're going to build through this Fire Festival, live on. You're like, no, John, no. We got we to move forward. It's... Jacob, have you watched them yet? I haven't seen them yet, but I followed the Fire Festival live as it was happening. Yes. And the beautiful there, train wreck there's that There's a it bit was. of schadenfreude there. Yes. A lot of schadenfreude. Until you get to the actual people People on the, island, on the island. Locals who were fronting money yeah. to do the food services and construction for this thing. I've they seen never GoFundMe's got their money back. pop up. Yeah, so there's GoFundMe's now to help those people get their money back. They've raised their goal, but... Big thing about this, Ja Rule for months said, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault. These documentaries paint a different picture. He responded in a tweet this week and said, and it's lovely. I'm ready. I'm so ready. I too was hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray. Someone got a thesaurus for Christmas. (laughs) Poor Ja. Poor Ja. On that note, we're going to talk about some other news of this week. Uh, As we always do, we're going to have each of my guests describe their week of news in only three words. Uh, Veteran of the show, Vanessa Romo, you know how this goes. You go first. All right. So my three words are normalized, fatigued, whatevs. So (laughs) all of us all the time, all of us all the time. So these are not they're not using I'm not saying these words as statements, but they're all kind of questions. And they're all sort of questions that I've asked myself this week. Normalized, fatigued, whatevs. Whatevs. Okay. right. Um, So on Tuesday, the Supreme Court issued a ruling that 
essentially opens up the possibility for the Trump administration to finally administer the transgender ban. And in this, the military. In the military, right. So on Tuesday, the Supreme Court decision basically lifts these injunctions that have been preventing the ban from being implemented across the country throughout the military. Um, and so it's not a decision on the legality of the ban. It's not a decision about whether or not it's going to stay in place permanently. It just says that for now, the Trump administration and the Pentagon can, if they so choose, begin to implement the policy. But there's a wrinkle, right? Because the Pentagon said on Wednesday that a fourth national injunction from a case in Maryland District Court remains in effect. Right. So there's still confusion about this. There's still massive confusion about this. And the DOD actually also hasn't said, or the Pentagon hasn't said, yes, we're going to go ahead and implement this, right? Huh. It's still pretty, there isn't very much clarity about this. And so, like, the big takeaway with this, it's like, this is yet another Trump policy initiative in which there's a big proclamation, a big announcement, and then more than a year later, we still don't know if it's happening or what's actually happening. Yeah, and and there doesn't seem to be the same sort of public movement. It hasn't it hasn't prompted like the same the kind outcry. of outcry and outrage that the initial announcement had yes. made, right? Which brings me to my three words. Yeah. Is it that it all seems kind of normal. We've been living with the idea of a transgender ban now for since 2017, yeah. so for some time. So a new headline about it doesn't seem as shocking? Yeah. Or is it that we're so fatigued, right? Mm-hmm. Is it just like there's so much going on? Well, and I think What's so weird about, not so weird, but like what is a pattern with Donald Trump in these major policy pushes is that on big issue after big issue after big issue, his pattern is he makes a big announcement and then a year later or more than that, it's still in limbo. I'm talking about DACA. Yep. This is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program for immigrants who come to this country as children. I'm talking about Trump's travel ban. I'm even talking about the Paris Agreement, you know, Trump announced that he was leaving the Paris Climate Accord. If you read the fine print, we can't actually leave it until November 4th, 2020. That is the day after the 2020 election. Yeah, but we're going to be dealing with a lot of the the implication of a lot of these decisions possibly, you know, far down the line, especially when it comes to uh, climate change, especially when it comes to this agreement. And it'll be interesting to see what happens as we reach that deadline. I'm really oh, yeah. curious to see if because... Who can actually who can actually stop it at that point? Yeah, it's a lot. I don't envy your job breaking news reporter Vanessa Romo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Jacob Margolis, do you have three words? Also, before you start, I gotta say I've been binging your earthquake podcast, the big one, all about how we're not ready for the big quake. And it's scared the living Jesus out of me every time that I listen to it. My follow-up question to that, first off, thank you, but my yes. follow-up question is do you have earthquake supplies yet? I had my Birkenstocks next to my bed last night. That is really important. Because you don't <laughs> want to walk on glass. You run over glass. That's right. one of the most common injuries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my three words, it's a phrase. I'm going to say people can change. Aww. I wanted it to be optimistic because okay. I live in this place of disaster and sadness as science reporter yeah. all the time. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because there's a new survey out came from Yale and George Mason uh, University and it says that 69% of Americans are worried about global warming and there's some other really surprising increases in people uh, being more concerned about this so 56% said their family will be hurt by global warming that is huge because people are starting to apply it to themselves uh 49% believe they'll be personally harmed by global warming that's a 7% increase since March 
What's that, causing the increase? So uh, I don't know. California's been on fire. Uh, an entire town, Paradise, you yeah. know, obviously was lost in the campfire. People's lives were destroyed. Many people died. And that's been something that's repeated year after year after year. In addition to that, you've had really, really awful hurricanes that have mm-hmm. been just slamming yeah. Florida and the South again and again and again in the Gulf. And that, you know, warming oceans are also tied to climate change. Well, I've also noticed a difference in the way the media talks about climate change. I think there was a long time in which if there was a discussion like on cable news about it, there'd be someone who believes in climate change and then someone who doesn't. I I was thinking about that. that stopped. Now it's just people who say this is real. I mean, talking to all of these different scientists who obviously for years and years are are floating all these different scenarios of what things are going to look like in the next 50 years, you know, they were never giving me when I was interviewing them, you know, the both sidesism on Mm -hmm. on this issue. You know, they said it. Something is going to happen. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but something Mm -hmm. is happening. We are, you know, things that we are doing are impacting this. And I feel like people are finally coming to grips with that. Okay, but so there is there is increasing concern, right? Where more more people are concerned about this very real pressing issue. But what does that mean? I mean, are they concerned? What's changing? Yeah, like I think I might have mold in my garage, but I'm not sure, and I just don't go in there because it's very scary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there is this kind of reality, especially. I mean, like you get to this in your earthquake podcast. Like (laughs) people can know disaster is imminent. It doesn't mean that they change their behavior. It doesn't mean that they change their worldview, right? It's a lot to grapple with. Fear actually doesn't motivate people. So you can give them specific things like, uh, if you give them a vague thing like, an earthquake is going to happen sometime in the next 30 years, people won't prepare. If you say, this earthquake will happen next week, and if you don't prepare, X, Y, and Z is going to happen, they are much more likely to go ahead. And but it's prepare. harder to do that with a thing like climate change. It is. effects feel kind of nebulous. And you don't know exactly when what's going to hit. And, and we need we to make a change and to make a difference on a grand scale, as laid out by the UN and the US government, we need to have huge institutional change. We need to be able to institute certain laws that regulate certain things. Um, You can debate how stringent they should be, but I'm not optimistic about that aspect of it. Okay. Sorry. I started off (laughs) with people. No, don't be sorry. People people can change, though. (laughs) Will the entire system change? Probably not. Three words for that one. Time will tell. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm going to give you three words now. Can I? Do it. Please. Okay. They are fake but real. And I'm talking this week about the race story that captivated the nation, or at least the news media. Uh, this story of these Covington Catholic High School students who were at the March for Life in D.C., who got into a confrontation of sorts with uh, an elder who was there for the Indigenous Peoples March, which was also the same day. I'm sure you've seen the video by now. It's. Uh, it's something, you know, there is this a Native American elder beating a tribal drum and he's circled by these white high school students, many of whom are wearing Make America Great Again hats. And there's one student in particular who's just in his face kind of smirking. And so I say fake but real because yeah. a lot of people said, you know, well, the original video was fake. Other folks found out that the first video that came out was tweeted by what's thought to be a bot account. So they're saying, well, this story is fake, to which I say it is very real when I see the way that this young, privileged white teenager from a private high school is treated by the media and end up on the Today Show. Compare that with the way a black teenager caught up in a news cycle might be treated. 
I also think that we glom onto these race stories that are big and these flashpoints, but they aren't really the actual race stories that we should care about. I've been fascinated all week with what, in my mind, is a bigger story of race and class and privilege, and that is the L.A. teacher strike. You know, there was a six-day strike in Los Angeles that just ended. Public school teachers across the city striked for more wages, more nurses, more staffing. Out in the rain for days. More counselors. Yeah. And, like, L.A. public schools teach mostly brown and black children Mm -hmm. and like the biggest race story of our time is the way that our schools are resegregating and white kids like the Covington High kids end up in private schools with a lot of the resources they need and black and brown students end up in schools where teachers have to strike just to get a nurse in the school five days a week. I came up in LAUSD schools and I have to say I went to several different schools in different areas and the disparity between the different schools and the different programs was stark. Yeah well and I just feel like I'm guilty and at fault as well. I was caught up in this Covington story all week. I was obsessed with it. I was angry about it. And, like, something about social media and the Internet, it has a way of dangling these flashy things in front of us to distract us from some of the real stuff. And so I don't know the way forward, but I do know that, like, a week of this Covington stuff just leaves me feeling dismal. Anyway, um, that was heavy, you guys. We all brought some heavy news this week, but such is life. I promise you when we return, we're going to talk about something much more light and fun. The newest, buzziest social media app of the kids, TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I see you smiling, Jacob. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. Going to go to break. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hinge. Hinge is the dating app that's designed to be deleted. It's for people who want to get off dating apps. Show off your personality with icebreaker prompts and see who likes you so you can easily start a conversation. On Hinge, three out of four first dates lead to second dates, and they're the number one dating app mentioned in the New York Times wedding section. Download Hinge in the Apple Store or Google Play. Hey, it's Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. If you're a normal Wait, Wait listener, you shout out the answers to all the questions, and then you get frustrated that no one can tell how smart you are. Here's the solution, the Wait, Wait Quiz, available now on your smart speaker. Just ask your smart speaker to open the Wait, Wait Quiz. Finally, your genius shall be recognized. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests, Vanessa Romo, breaking news reporter for NPR News, and Jacob Margolis, science reporter for KPCC and host of their earthquake podcast called The Big One. There's this moment in the podcast where y'all break down how earthquakes feel differently based on their strength and based on their number on the Richter scale. Yeah. And you explain it with, like, a violin. It's a viola da gamba. And (laughs) the reason I'm that specific is because Dr. Seismologist Dr. Lucy Jones, who is in the podcast, who's kind of the queen of quakes here in Los Angeles, she plays the viola da gamba. She composes her own works of art, and she actually played that for us in there to illustrate the different sizes of quakes. Yeah. So the magnitude two, magnitude four. And then 
a magnitude 7.8. It was so cool. That was a remarkable moment in, yes. in the podcast for sure. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. So, all right, I'm, I want us to talk about things that aren't earthquakes and sad stories and how everything is weird. I want to talk about um, this social media app called TikTok. Have either of you heard of TikTok? Yes, I've been watching a ton of compilation videos since I knew we were going to be talking yes. about this. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of weird, right? Like it is this kind of think of a lip sync app, but with a lot more and a lot of video editing features. Anyways, I bring up TikTok because it is going to be the topic of a new segment that we're trying out for the very first time. It is called Drumroll. Yeah, thank you. I have so many questions. What? 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 That was the stinger you made for that? <laughs> that is an amazing stinger. <laughs> what is up with the horror music? Brent surprised me with it's that. It's very one. Twilight Zone. This is great. <laughs> I'm ready what? for this segment. What? Brent says it's mysterious sound and music because we're solving mysteries here. This week we're going to solve the mystery of TikTok. Uh, we put a call out to our listeners last week saying, "What in the culture confuses you?" We um, heard from a lot of people with a lot of different questions. Here's a little sampling. I have so many questions about the show You. <laughs> when did woke become a thing? Why are we all so into stickers? <laughs> We got a lot of questions, oh, yeah, and the good. one that was kind of the easiest to manage <laughs> was TikTok. So I'm going to try right now to explain TikTok to a listener named Sarah from Lubbock, Texas. Uh, Sarah wrote us and said, quote, I'm very confused by TikTok. I'm only 25, but the app makes me feel super out of touch with what is considered funny right now. That That's makes me hilarious. so happy because I, I'm 30, but I have a kid now, and I thought I was just really out of it. But you know what? That makes <laughs> Everyone's me so out of better. it. Well, I uh. watched a an Australian broadcasting video news story about, about TikTok because I was like, what is TikTok? <laughs> and I actually realized I had seen TikTok but didn't know that yeah. I had seen TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, in that... In that news story, they said the most users, the most people downloading the app are 24 and under. So, Sarah, oh, it's okay. Old. Sarah just I'm aged sorry. out of TikTok. Just aged out <laughs> yes. of TikTok. Yes. That's what happened. Yeah. So, because I don't know everything, and TikTok worries me out as well, I had to get some help to explain this. So, I called up a journalist who covers a ton of this stuff. Her name is Taylor Lorenz. She's a staff writer at The Atlantic covering internet culture. She said, first of all, you have to know... Uh, TikTok is more than just a lip sync app. The basic interface is basically you can choose a song or a sound and then record a video of yourself while the music plays, which allows you to kind of lip sync over a song. People use it a lot for that. But Taylor says it's more than that because TikTok has a bunch of really intense video editing tools. You can just do more. Like, yeah, you can record a Snapchat video of yourself or a video on Instagram and put a funny face filter or put some stickers. TikTok takes that like times a million like when you see a tiktok it's like 10 different versions of emojis and weird video effects and it's stopping and starting and like you feel like you're on acid like <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> like you can make these works of art on tiktok yeah. in a way that you never could do with vine or with instagram or with snapchat i will argue that tiktok although i'm sure there are awful things on there <laughs> is one of the 
is sums up one of the best things that the internet has to offer. Which is? Uh, weird, ironic things that people kind of all gather around. And it took me back to the early 2000s when I was sitting on forums <laughs> with my friends <laughs> and talking about weird stuff and sharing weird images. Yes. And this is that on this steroids. So, backstory on TikTok, the company. Uh, it's actually a Chinese company, a Chinese app. Uh, this big Chinese tech company called ByteDance owns TikTok. Uh, this company's worth like $75 billion. They're a big deal. There's also a Chinese version of TikTok in China as well. But so on top of like TikTok coming from a place that we might not think is ordinary for new social media apps to come out of, the usership of TikTok is actually not what we think it might be also. So there's this perception that the kids are on the TikTok. The kids are on the TikTok. And they are. But Taylor Lorenz at The Atlantic, she told me that like it's not just kids that use this thing it's not just young people it's like people all over there's a huge amount of people that are like service industry professionals so it's really popular with nurses firefighters police departments um a lot of people in the army doing baby shark videos it's a, it's basically like anyone that has tons of time to kill it's so interesting because if you dig hard enough there's a lot of military personnel on bases doing tiktok as they're just like on a shift killing time are there location services on and they're giving away <laughs> location? <laughs> I don't think private. so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it is just, like, the further you dig into TikTok, the more layers it has. And it's a really interesting story on so many levels. I mean, on top of that, going back to China, like, you'll notice that, like, TikTok as an app feels very non-political. Like, because you make the videos and you're just lip-syncing over a song, you really can't rant about politics in the way that you could on, like, I don't know, some other platform. That's by design. Uh, wait, is this your way of telling us, Sam Sanders, that you're about to... What do you launch a TikTok? Do you are we gonna do a TikTok? Are you? Is this your way of telling us you're gonna do know. a TikTok? I'm scared. I will say to our listeners thinking about doing TikTok, I asked Taylor Lorenz to give some advice for them. She has some really nice advice. Yes, you should get on TikTok immediately and just start making videos. I mean, part of the reason TikTok is so endearing and people's TikToks are so great is because they're so cringy. So it's like, yeah, your first few videos on there are going to be, like, probably pretty cringy. But that's what's going to make it amazing. And so she says, like, on TikTok, for whatever reason, everyone leans into the weirdness of it and leans into the cringiness of it. You can search on YouTube for, like, most cringiest TikTok videos. And people are into it. They like it. It's supposed to be weird. So wait, lame dads are welcome on TikTok? I'm, yeah. I'm out of here. I'll be right back. <laughs> I promise before we leave the studio, we're going to make a cringy TikTok. I don't know what song we'll use. I we don't can, know how to edit it. We can go back to some Jaw Rule <gasps> inspiration. Yes. We started yeah. this journey with Jaw Rule. Perhaps <laughs> we'll end we it with end him it. too. Yes. So that said, uh, Sarah, thanks for asking us about TikTok. Hope we explained it kind of okay. Taylor Lorenz of The Atlantic, thanks for your help. Jacob and Vanessa, thanks for your help. Uh, listeners, keep sending us your questions about things in the culture that make you scratch your head. We'll do our best to explain. You can email the show at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. Also, if there are any TikTok users listening, send us your favorite TikToks. I want to see them. I don't know how you share TikTok, but send it to me? I don't know. You can put it in an envelope and mail it to me? Is that what you do? Yeah, yeah. Fed extra TikToks to the office. Thanks, guys. All right, it's time for a break. When we come back, my favorite game, Who Said That?
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Support for this podcast and the following message come from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus, chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com NPR to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Before you can start your day, you like to know what's happening in the news. That's what Up First is for. It's the morning news podcast from NPR, the news you need to take on the day in just about 10 minutes. Listen to Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests, Vanessa Romo, breaking news reporter for NPR, covering just about everything, currently in studio with a perfectly tight scarf. (laughs) It's hard to get a scarf to fall that delicately. I know it's supposed to rise to about 80 degrees today, (laughs) but it was in the 50s when I left home. It was chilly this morning. It was. Also here with Jacob Margolis, science reporter at KPCC and host of one of their newest podcasts called The Big One, all about the big quake that could hit SoCal right now. (laughs) God. Legitimately, any second now, (laughs) it could happen. I want to distract from that, so we're going to play a game right now. My favorite game, it is called Who Said That? Who said that? Who said that? You both know at this point how this works. The game is very simple. I share a quote from the week. You both have to guess who said that, or at least get the story I'm referring to. The winner, as you know, gets absolutely nothing except bragging rights. Which is perfect because I stink at this game. I, I am like yeah. zero for however many times. Can I just get a TikTok with you if I win? <laughs> and you. I'm like a cringy TikTok. Right. Yes, we will. Ready for the first quote? Yes. I almost feel like that thing you call a whale is a cry or a prayer for freedom. I'm ready to get out of the shallow. Who said that? Can you give us any hint? Is it's this a, Lindsay Lohan? No, it's about an award show nomination that someone got this week for a certain song that contains the word shallow. I mean, La- I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Oh! Lady Gaga. This is embarrassing. Lady Gaga got really bad. <laughs> two Oscar nominations uh, for her work in A Star is Born this week. One for Best Actress and one for Best Song for her song Shallow, which she and Bradley Cooper sing in the movie. This song has become like this cult classic since the film came out, in large part because of this wail kind of in the middle of the song. So it's a typical ballad, but then halfway through, Lady Gaga does this. I have an affinity for Lady Gaga. I just, I love I the very power talented. of her voice. And I mean, yeah, is it like the Dean scream a little? Sure. <laughs> but I kind of love it. Now I'm imagining Howard Dean singing Shallow. <laughs> Next quote. You ready? 
On behalf of the people of Louisiana and New Orleans Saints fans all across the country, I am writing to you to express our deep disappointment with the outcome of the NFC championship game on Sunday. Who said that? Was it the the head of the referees? Uh, Someone even bigger. Even bigger? Tom Brady? No, a government <laughs> official. Oh, my gosh. What is a statewide office? A title. Governor. Yes. Governor of Louisiana. Yes. Governor of Louisiana sent an official complaint to the NFL this week. Uh, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, Democrat of Louisiana, issued a formal complaint to the NFL over a no call by referees in Sunday's game between the New Orleans Saints and the L.A. Rams. Saints fans say that no call kept the Saints out of the Super Bowl and that it was unfair. It's gotten so bad that a few New Orleans Saints fans have filed a lawsuit against the NFL. They want their money back? Uh, what do they want? They want vindication, I think. They want them to replay the game? Like, yeah, what's the, yeah, that play? Um, all right. That was, I think... Oh, we have one more quote. <laughs> okay, yeah, goodness. One more chance to One more chance ourselves. to tie with one point. For <laughs> Ready for the last quote? Here it is. I totally get why any girl would do it, but when guys do it, I go, clearly, they're not scrubs. If they were scrubs, they wouldn't sing the song with this type of confidence. Who said that? I don't know, but is it about Weezer? Yes, close enough. You got All right. it. Yes. Woo! <laughs> Vanessa, this is like the football game where like the team that wins is this is like a three to zero football game win. <laughs> no, but this is like you also brought in like the high school football team to play against like, <laughs> to play against maybe a college team. Yes. I am the high school. Yes. I, maybe Pee Wee. Yes. Yeah. So Weezer is in the news this week, and this quote is a member of TLC, the R and B group, reacting to a Weezer cover of their song No Scrubs. We all know that Weezer kind of had a really great run last year off of their cover of the 80s classic Africa. It was one of the top 10 rock songs of the year, according to Billboard. Riding that wave, Weezer this week released an entire album of covers, one of which is a cover of TLC's classic No Scrubs. So TLC heard it, and then TLC member Chili said, I like this. I want to perform it with you, Weezer. Here's more of their cover. I've heard better in karaoke bars. I'm fine with it. Having said that, Pinkerton remains one of my like all-time favorite albums. It's, it's I love it. It's still on constant rotation Which for me. Which album is Say It Ain't So on? That's the first album, the blue album. Say It Ain't So is a perfect rock song. That album also completely holds up for me. But, yeah. you know, it's also you a Weezer kid? like... No. <laughs> no. That's you know why what? you lost you, this game. You know what? We're, we're talking and we're reminiscing about the early... Two- the one thing I do not miss is mm-hmm. the music, along with the fashion. Oh, the fashion's <laughs> going to come back. The fashion always comes back. So uh, newsflash, bootleg jeans are coming back in style. Are low-rise jeans coming back? Because I don't want yeah, them to come back. Yeah, both of them, according to the New York Times fashion oh. people. Well, they're the, they're the the same New York Times that wants me to put peas in my guacamole. <laughs> they can go kick rocks. That's where they lost you? Yes, that's where they lost me. Vanessa Romo, you won the game. I, you know, Yay. thank you so much. Thank you, Lucky Star. I want to thank everyone who helped me get to where I am today. Are you giving an Oscar acceptance yes. speech? <laughs> All right, that concludes Who Said That? Now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Brent, hit the tape. 
Hi, Sam. This is Katie in L.A. The best part of my week was finally being back with my students in my classroom after a week and a day long teacher strike. My special education preschool students were so happy and excited to be back at school. I hope you had a lovely week also. Thanks. Hi, Sam. This is Tiffany from Idaho. And the best thing that happened to me this week was going ice fishing with my dad and my husband and my two kids. The best thing about my week was seeing a dear friend of mine and her husband and baby girl. The best thing that happened to me this week is that I won best in show in a local photography contest. Hey Sam, it's Josh from Dallas, Texas. The best part of our week is my husband Adam and I are celebrating one month since welcoming a new baby girl, Cameron, into our lives. Hey Sam, this is Brian from Hanover, Pennsylvania. The best thing that happened to me this week was I taught my first improv class in an effort to bring my favorite thing to the small town that I love. Hi Sam, this is Katie, Allison, and Elena. And we're from Chicago, Illinois. The best part of our week is that we're on a girls weekend to Galena, Illinois. We are sitting by the fire, relaxing with yoga and face masks after a beautiful day of cross country skiing. Bye. Hey Sam, best thing that happened to me all week has to do with a guy who for most of the past year has been standing on the bridge that's on my way to work with a handwritten cardboard sign asking for help while he was going through a hard time. And this morning I saw him out there in the pouring rain holding a different sign and it says, my last week out here, I got a job. Thank you to everyone who has helped me during this hard time. Um, I said congratulations and I said goodbye. And he said, you have no idea how hard it is to climb out of this situation while you're in it. And it's true, I have no idea. And a lot of us have no idea. And that is the best part of my week. Thanks for everything. Have a good week. Oh my goodness. Thanks to all the voices you heard there. Katie, Tiffany, Sarah, Amy, Josh, Brian, Katie, Allison, and Elena on their girls weekend, which sounds fun. And Talia, who is a very special friend of the show. Talia, who you heard last, uh, her full name is Talia Schlanger, and she hosts NPR's World Cafe. Yeah. So thank you for sending that in, Talia, and thank you for your show. I'm ready to go into the weekend now. That was really nice. It was really nice. Uh, listeners also send more of these best things to samsanders at npr.org. Record the sound of your voice. Send it to samsanders at npr.org. We're going to go out on Ja Rule, who is having quite the week because two documentaries on Netflix and Hulu say that he knew about the disaster that was a fire fest and did nothing. I'm still rooting for him. Are you guys still rooting for him? Uh, I'm going to say no. no. What? Yeah. Uh, mm. He was the soundtrack to my high school. There's no way. I mean, you know, I love that he used the word bamboozled because it is one of my favorite words. Uh, but no, thank you, okay. Ja Rule. Right. I'm not buying Yeah. It. Thanks to my guests this week, Vanessa Romo, breaking news reporter for NPR, Jacob Margolis, science reporter at KPCC and host of their new earthquake podcast called The Big One, Your Survival Guide. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry with help from Janae West. The show was engineered this week by our friend Marcia Caldwell, who, as we prepared for the show, was playing for us. Now that's what I call music 50... 59. <laughs> yes, she was. Uh, Steve Nelson is our director of programming. Our editor is Jordana Hochman. This week, we had editing help from NPR Science Desk editor Jeff Brumfell. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Brundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for my chat with the one, the only, Titus Burgess. 
I talked with love him. Titus. He's great. I love him. He's super fun. A lot of you know him from his work on the Netflix show Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt. That show is back with its final season on Netflix right now. Check for that Tuesday. Also, listeners, if you like the show, don't just put a ring on it. Uh, review us. Show us some love. Go to Apple Podcasts. Hit that review thing. Um, we'll appreciate it. All right. Till next time. Thank you all for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. I love Ja Rule. I don't care. I love Ja Rule. I know y'all want to fight me on this. I love Ja Rule. Keep your, keep your Weezers. Keep your Ja Rule. <laughs>